Oh Lord, we just thank you for your son. He paid the debt for our sins. He gave us forgiveness of our sins. He reconciled us back to you. We are redeemed. We are covered by his blood. Oh Lord, what an awesome gift you have given. And today, Lord, as we celebrate the fact that Jesus walked out of that tomb, resurrected, he gives us the power to resurrect our own lives. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Lift your voices.
praise him. No better time than now to praise him. He is worthy. He is worthy. Christian faith is based on this resurrection. Without it, we have nothing. But with it, oh, all that he brings to the table. And this is something that happened over 2,000 years ago. But yet there were witnesses. This is not just a story. It's not just a fable. It's an event that took place. It's historic. So, Lord, we thank you. I welcome you all to Resurrection Sunday. Amen. As you can see, we're trying to go through a name change. The online giving isn't working. I think it works on the app, but it doesn't work on the website. There is no website. Streaming isn't working. There's a lot of... Everything should have been up and running by Friday, but I guess a lot of people just took extra days off. Nothing really got connected the way it should. But today, we're celebrating Jesus. Amen. We're celebrating he walked out of that tomb. Yes. You know, 40 days that followed him walking out of that tomb, he made himself visible to a lot of people. I mean, he touched people. He communicated with people. He, he saw them. People, people saw it. But without his resurrection, we have no salvation. Our sins are not forgiven. There is no hope for the future. But because he walked out of that time, it proved he was a son of God. It guarantees our future resurrection. And it also gives us spiritual power that we have today. Some of us use it, some of us do not. But it does give us that power. It's evidence that God will someday judge the world in righteousness. One of the resurrection stories is found in Luke. There are stories in, in all the Gospels. But in Luke 24, it says, very early on a Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking spices they had prepared. But you know what happened when they got there. They saw the stone rolled away. They saw no one inside. I mean, they, as scripture says in verse 4, they stood there puzzled. Then two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified. They bowed with their faces to the ground. And he asked, the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Why are you looking among the dead? Each one of you that has surrendered your life to Christ is no longer dead. 
in your sin, you are alive in Jesus. These women, they ran back to where the other disciples were staying. It says it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who the apostles had known and who had traveled with them. And when they told the apostles what happened, they didn't believe her. But somehow it says in Scripture, in Luke 12, 24, 12, that Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb. Now there's other actions where Peter and John ran. It said John, you know, being 19, Peter being in his 40s, John outran him. John was the first one there. So they went and they witnessed. But then as you jump down to verse 13, it said, the same day two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emos, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along talking about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus made himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But then look at verse 16, it said, but God kept them from recognizing him. Is it that they couldn't recognize him? Is it that he was in his glorified body? Is it that he was resurrected, that the world no longer saw him? How about us? How does the world view you since you surrendered your life to Christ? Does it see you differently? Does it take away the things that are no longer your old nature? The world no longer sees you that way? Or do some people still hold on and try to remember the way you were and condemn you for it? But Jesus says your sins are forgiven. I remember you no more. So Jesus says to these people that are walking, he says, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And one of them replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about what has happened in the last few days. Jesus goes, well, what happened? Gives you an idea into his personality, doesn't it? What happened? And they tell him, he was a prophet, he did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. They crucified him. Then they lay out this one thing. They say, we had hoped that the Messiah came to rescue Israel. But we learned Christ came to rescue mankind. He came to reconcile us all back to God. And there is a purpose that Christ rose from the dead. There is a power made available through his resurrection. And we need to know this power. We need to know this purpose so we can maximize our relationship with God and take the benefits that we have. I mean, Paul writes, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. 
And this was Paul's desire. If you read through his epistles, you'll see he's always talking about that. He's always talking about his relationship with Christ, the power of the resurrection, and what he can do. We need to understand this. We need to know the living, resurrected Christ. We need to know the power that is associated with it so we can live with it, so we can use it. Because that's why he gave it to us. We're here to influence the world. We're here to finish what Christ started. Amen. And we can only do that by what he has given us. We can't do it on his own. Christianity is not a religion based on abstract principles. It's based on a relationship with a living Savior. Amen. A Savior who infuses our life and empowers us, who transforms us into his likeness. So Paul says, I want to know Christ and I want to know the power of his resurrection. What is he really saying? Jeremiah 23, chapter 9, verse 23, we find these words. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or their powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. And understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love, who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what it means to know Christ. These things of the world, the riches, the power, the things that tempt us, the things that pursue us, that we pursue in the world, those things are not important. God tells us that right away. Knowing God is more important than wisdom or strength or riches. Think about, think about the people that are most admired in the world. Amen. They're admired for those three qualities. We tend to admire those who are bright, intelligent, knowledgeable, those who are physically gifted in strength, talent, or beauty, or those who have immense great wealth. Do we not? We chase after that. But God says, no. He spoke to Jeremiah and he said, knowing the Lord is more important Amen. than any of these things. Amen. The covenant with God who delights in kindness, justice, and righteousness are the most important relationship things that you can put together. This is what the resurrection brings. Paul's desire to know the power of the resurrection. He wants to know it. He writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called, his holy people who are rich and glorious in inheritance. Amen. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power 
for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. This is what Paul's talking about. The power of the resurrection. Christians and all of us have this, have access to this great power. We have the power to have our sins forgiven. I mean, sin has a hold on us. Without God, we are slaves to sin. But with Christ and his death, his resurrection, frees us from the power of sin. Sin has no control over us. If we choose to walk away, God paid that debt. Our sins are forgiven. It no longer has a hold. He has broken those chains. He delivered us from the death of our sins. And he raised us to life through his justification. Romans 4.25 says, He handed it, he handed, he was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. He paid our sin debt by dying on a cross. And he walked out of that tomb to reconcile us back to God. What power? Christ died. It was necessary. He was the sacrifice for our sins. But the resurrection was absolutely vital. Paul says he was raised to life because of our justification. When Christ, when Jesus died, God laid on him the iniquity of every single one of us. Even those that don't believe in him. He died for their sins too. was the punishment that we deserve. It's the punishment we deserve. But Jesus took it. Had there been any lacking in Jesus' sacrifices, the blood blocked the power to cancel the penalty of sin, God would not have raised him. God's justice would not allow Jesus to be raised from the dead. But the very fact of the resurrection shows us once and for all that Jesus' sacrifice was necessary to pay the debt for our sins, to forgive us. Jesus rose from the dead so you can say, I'm justified with Christ. Having believed in Jesus, I am righteous in God's eyes. You know, God doesn't see sin. If you're living in sin, God does not see you. But you've been justified. God can see you. He can have that relationship with you. He also gave us the power to conquer sin. The resurrection power didn't end with just forgiveness. But it empowers us to conquer the sin that indwells in this world. Ephesians 4.24 says, Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. This is what you were created to be, righteous and holy in his sight. In Christ, we are a new creation. His spirit lives within us. We have been renewed. We have a new self. 
a new purpose. We've been conformed to the image of Christ to become like him, truly righteous, truly holy. That's what God intended us to be. So if this is the case, why do Christians keep on sinning? Paul gives us an answer in Philippians. It's because we don't know the power. Yes, everything else is worthless, he says in Philippians 3.8, compared with the infinite knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage so I could gain Christ. Everything that Paul had, everything that Paul thought was right and holy, he threw away, considered it garbage compared to knowing Jesus. And becoming one with him, he says, I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. This is where your righteousness comes from, your faith in Christ. Not because you do something, not because you live a certain way, because of your faith. For God's way of making us right in himself depends on our faith. And every one of you in here have a different level of faith. You have a different level of trust as far as you'll go with Jesus. Some of you will surrender so much to him. Some of you will hold back. Some of you will give him all you have like Paul did, and others won't. You'll let him work in certain areas of your life, but not others. But we all have this power. And if we continue to act in our sinful way, if we still act like slaves to sin, if we still have that moment of weakness, this is when Satan will attack us. Understand he knows you all. He knows all of your weaknesses. He knows exactly when and how to attack you. And he takes advantage of that. But God gives us the power to break all these habits. But we must first understand we have the power to overcome. We have the power to be God's agent. Christianity is not just about forgiveness and overcoming sin. It's not simply a solution to our problems. God has a positive purpose for our salvation. He is determined to make us all agents to change the world. You're all missionaries. You all have your own mission field. Some of your mission fields are in work. Some of them or in your neighborhood. Some of them are in your groups of friends. But you're missionaries for God. You're agents for Jesus. You're ambassadors to Christ. He's given you the power to overcome sin. He's given you the power to change your life. He's given you the power to walk into heaven with him and live for all eternity. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. How committed are we to him? 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says, For God was in Christ, 
reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. He gave them the wonderful message of reconciliation. Just think about that. The sins that you've all committed in your past, God doesn't remember them anymore. He doesn't hold them against you. He looks at you perfect, justified, righteous and holy in his sight. This is how God sees you. You have to learn to see yourself the same way. Because if God can see you that way, why can't you see you that way? Why do you keep saying, oh, I was just a grasshopper in my own sight? No, you're not. Something beautiful God has created. You have gifts that God has given you. So we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making an appeal for us. Appeal to those people, appeal to those in your circles to come back to God. Your power is made perfect in your weakness. It shows that God is working through you. I couldn't stand up here and deliver this without God working through me. I remember the first sermon I did took, took seven minutes. I mean, I rehearsed it for days. Stood in the mirror, just like they teach you. Stood in the mirror, went through it, took 45 minutes. The eight times that I practiced it, 45 minutes. I get up to speak in seven minutes, I'm done. Why? Because I didn't know enough to get to God. I didn't know enough to have God with me. I just tried to do it as man would do it. And we have to learn. We are, we're not man anymore. Our old nature is gone. We now, everywhere we go, we have a Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We have the Spirit of God that dwells within us, that guides us, that teaches us. So why do we get so hung up on these worldly things? Christ didn't walk out of the tomb so we'd be hung up on something that happened six months ago or a year ago that somebody bugged you two days ago. He didn't walk out of the tomb for that. He walked out of the tomb so you would walk hand in hand with him every single day. That's why he came out of the tomb. Second Corinthians 3.18. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. We're not changed into the image of our next door neighbor. We're not changed into the image of a co-worker or a rock store. No. We're changed into the image of God. Amen. Little by little, some people, the transaction is faster. Some areas they work on. Some areas God has been working on me for years, and he's still working on them. Sometimes he's got to take a hammer and hit my hard head. 
But God is there. We're put into his likeness. We reflect his glory. Think about that. Think about that time Moses wanted to see the glory of God. God told him and pushed him into the cleft of the rock. And he said, you'll see my back. That's all I'm going to show you. But now Jesus says, you're going to reflect my glory. So the same thing they see when they see Jesus and they say, he is a bright, shining light. You're reflecting that image. You're reflecting that image. I mean, we all have negative little characteristics we want to change, and God don't deal with those. We just got to surrender more and more to him to become more and more like him. We're supposed to become the bride of Christ, spotless, blameless, loving, kind, strong, transformed into his likeness. This is what the power of the resurrection is. This is resurrection power. And we have the power to overcome the devil in his kingdom. We have the power to overcome that. It was through his death and resurrection that Jesus was given the name above all names. His name means power above all power. Philippians 2.9, therefore God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. A name of Jesus every knee would, should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. This is the Lord we serve. Jesus gave each and every one of you his power to overcome this world. Don't waste it. He died on a cross for each and every one of you. He gave us the power to tread on serpents, scorpions. He gave us the power to raise the dead. You have the power to give somebody life. You can give the gift of life to people. Eternal life. You have the gift and the power to give them eternal life. Knowing this power will make us stronger. We should not be afraid of darkness. We walk into the dark, we should be the light. We should be a glowing light that just takes it all out. We are the power. We are the resurrection. Dixon, come on up. The resurrection is central to our Christianity. The resurrection must be true. There are witnesses. There are people that saw that. But we have to use and understand the power that was given to us through this resurrection. 
Because if we don't use it, it's wasted. Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins. And we have been forgiven of every sin we've committed. Even the sins you're going to commit tomorrow. I've already, the debt has already been paid. You may have to ask for forgiveness. But Jesus covered it. He gave us the power to overcome sin. To break those chains that bind us. He gave us the power to become God's ambassadors. And more important than that, he gave us the power to be his ambassador. Can you imagine that? I mean, you all seen political ambassadors, the ambassador from the United States to this country or that country. Well, you're the ambassador from heaven. You're the one Jesus has chose to be his ambassador. You can walk around and say, I'm an ambassador for Christ. This is who I am. Let's all stand. We've all been resurrected into the kingdom of God. We've all been part of who Jesus wants us to be. We can overcome Satan and his kingdom. We can overcome sin. We can overcome all these things through Christ. He's the one that gives us strength. This morning, if there's something you want to give to Jesus, you want to come down to the altar and just surrender whatever still needs to be resurrected in your life. Don't walk out of here the same. Let the resurrection power of Jesus, let the resurrection power of Jesus take you where you need to go.